Support for Veterans Corner on Veterans Corner Radio is made possible by M&M Printing and the Observer News of Ruskin. Hello and welcome to Veterans Corner Radio Podcasts, information for and about veterans. Today, host Bill Hodges has a conversation with retired Lieutenant General Brian Kelly, President of the Military Officers Association of America. January and February are Military Organization Months here on Veterans Corner Radio. This is a chance to hear from the leaders of some of our veterans' organizations. The Military Officers Association of America has a new leader for 2023. Replacing retired Air Force Lieutenant General Adkins is retired Air Force General Brian Kelly. MOAA is strong and growing stronger by the day from increasing membership numbers and through new legislative challenges being met by a force of lobbyists that MOAA has deployed on Capitol Hill. Here now is Bill Hodges with Veterans Corner Radio on Veterans Corner Radio Podcasts. Welcome to Veterans Corner, a show dedicated to providing information to all those who have served our country's military and to their families. Now, here is your host, newspaper columnist, management trainer, and Air Force veteran, Bill Hodges. Hi, I am Bill Hodges, and this is Veterans Corner Radio. And we've got a great guest with us today. In fact, he actually doesn't take the job until January when this will play. Brand new to the organization but he's not brand new to service. I'm doing a program today with Military Officers Association of America, new president, Lieutenant General Brian Kelly. General Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bill. I really appreciate you having me. Uh, You know, I I guess MOAA has a lot of pull because the president before you was three stars and he was Air Force Two. And for my Navy guys, that, that is a lieutenant general. Well, it, obviously, there, there's a, a connection between uh, Military Officer Association of America, MOA, and uh, our senior officers and the ability to come in there and serve and continue to, you know, provide the kind of uh, service and making a difference that you did while, while you were on active duty. So I think there's a great affinity, a great attraction between our senior officers and, and MOA. You know, I would expect that you just retired from the Pentagon very recently. And and the world is your oyster at this moment in time. What caused you to decide to come back to MOAA? I I think I probably know that because a guy like yourself is used to being of service. What what do you say? Yeah, well, Bill, you know, you're right. When when you're first retiring, there are a lot of opportunities. And certainly people came to me and the defense contractors and others came to me. But, you know, my last 11 years or so, I was almost 100% focused on people programs and, and leading the people enterprise for, for the United States Air Force. You know, and as you said, I culminated as a three-star general as the deputy chief of staff for manpower, personnel, and services. So I'm, I'm taking care of those folks. And then you run into an organization like MOA, where I'm a life member, you know, who has a motto that says, never stop serving. And, and their, you know, their mission and vision is to take care of folks and, and make sure that we preserve and protect those benefits that all of us have earned through service, you know, uh, our veterans, our families, our service members. And so there was this just natural 
bond together and there was just a natural extension for what I was doing when I was serving to be able to continue to do that in another way and quote unquote, never stop serving. Boy, was that attractive. And so, you know, that's how I ended up at MOA. Well, I was just three stripes. I didn't have three stars. And of course, I'm not eligible to be part of MOA, but our chapter here in Sun City Center saw fit to make me an honorary member. So I'm very proud to be associated in that way with the organization. Yeah. And, 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 you know, thanks for that, Bill. And you should be, because it doesn't matter if you're three stripes or three stars, we're all veterans and we've all served and we're all trying to take care of the same kinds of thing, which is maintain those earned benefits and make sure that those people who have raised their hand and their families who have served alongside them um, get taken care of both while they're serving and after they're done serving as well. You know, in talking with General Atkins, your predecessor, he mentioned the PAC and that your organization had been significant in getting that through Congress. Yeah, you know, I think that's the beauty and power of, of, of MOA, um, as well as other kind of advocacy organizations that we, we combine with in the military coalition. Um, you have this ability to persevere over many years and, and follow an issue uh, and with your membership, and we have such great grassroots members in, in MOA that we're lucky who, you know, are, who are active. They're not just passive members. They're calling their congressmen. They're writing. Uh, they're putting, you know, putting together uh, information and making sure the right uh, people hear the right things. And so when you're able to do those kinds of things, things like the PACT Act get to happen, protecting, uh, you know, COLA minus one for retiree pay gets to happen. All those kind of things that MOA has been successful with over the years happened because of the ability to um, bring folks together, have the, the mass of the people and the advocacy together and those grassroots folks who are willing to actually take action and not just be passive about these kinds of important issues. You have a number of legislator or people going up to the Hill. Uh, I, if I'm not wrong, you probably have more than any other of the organizations. Yeah, we have, you know, we have 12 actual registered lobbyists who, who are actually registered up there. Uh, but even on top of that, we, you know, with our members, 350,000 strong members at MOA and our ability to unite them and, and uh, get them uh, energized about issues, we're really able to get a lot of advocacy and a lot of movement on all kinds of issues that we can share with and talk to our partners in Congress. When somebody comes into a chair like you are, that's in an existing organization, they're doing pretty well. They have to bring with them a reason they're coming. There's something I, I bet you there that you really want to see happen or see move forward. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right, Bill. When you come in, there's there's always those things that you're you're thinking about, and there's things that the board has has talked to you about and hired you to do. And MOA has been extremely successful, as you mentioned, the the legislative and advocacy wins that they've had, their ability to do philanthropic activities. Uh, you know, and my predecessor, D.T. Atkins, and those before him have done a great job of putting MOA in a great position. Now the question is, how do we put it up and set it, set it up for a long term? How do you sustain that? How do you increase membership? Uh, you know, our members, just like every other organization, service organization, um, you know, they begin to age out. You have to refresh those members. We have to attract new folks into the organization. And we have to be able to make sure the organization is financially viable for long into the future, right? We're in a really good position now, but we want to be good five years from now and 10 years from now and 15 years from now. So the folks that come behind me and come behind you get the same benefit of, of the good work that Mo has been doing in the past, and they'll get that same benefit in the future. You know, one of the things that a lot of people don't look at is only 7% of the people in the United States today ever served in uniform. That's a very small pool. 
It is. And I think we've all seen recently, you know, in an all volunteer force, some of our, our services are struggling to recruit. Uh, when you only have a seven percent of the people serving, the ability to spread that news and tell others about it and, and share those experiences uh, starts to start to dwindle. Luckily, by the way, this last elective cycle, this last congressional cycle, we're going to see a little bit of an uptick in the number of members in Congress who have served before. It's not where it needs to be, um, but it's a little bit of an uptick. So that's a positive. But there's lots of work to do to make sure that we can educate folks and spread good word about the value and benefits of military service. You know, I would say too often uh, some of the challenges and strifes that come along with military service get a lot of the press and we don't take enough time to talk about all the benefits and the good things that you get out of serving for your country. I noticed that you have almost a new board. You have 12 new members. Yeah, the way the board at MOA works is every two years they turn over a third of the board. So you're on a six-year term as a board member. And so we just went through that cycle. Me coming in as a new president and CEO, I'm coming in with 12 new board members, coming in with a new chairman. Retired General Gary North is, is taking over for from General Skip Sharp. Uh, and so there's a new cycle, just like uh, there is in Congress. There's a new cycle, cycle at MOA with 12 new board members and a new chairman. I, I was wondering, there are a number of officers. I know that when somebody comes in and becomes an officer in the military, that you automatically give them a membership. But a person who leaves, gets out of the military, starts raising a family, uh, gets involved in their community, church, other things, may slip away from that. How do you feel is the best way to pull these people back into the organization? Yeah, you know, Bill, that's that's really one of my big focuses when we talk about increasing membership is how do we make sure we show the value of what MOA provides for them? You know, there's there's lots of opportunities for people to spend their hard-earned dollars in lots of ways. And, and if you're going to join MOA and you're going to be a dues-paying member, we want to show you what the value is. So we want to show you what you're getting, um, not only the benefits that are we're protecting, but there's other services and things we provide, great transition services, educational benefits. Uh, you know, we have the MOA scholarship fund for our members' children, where we, we provide uh, opportunities for grants and, and interest-free loans for folks to go to school. And so there's lots of value. And we've got to package that value in a way that reaches these folks. And we got to show them that their membership actually means something to them and provides them value back just like they provide value to us. That's something I, you just mentioned several programs that I wasn't even aware of that MOA had. Can you expand on those a little bit? Yeah, you know, in, in addition to our, our main business line, our advocacy business line, uh, MOA has a MOA scholarship fund where we have had a, for a number of years since the 1940s the ability to provide our members' children the opportunity to apply for and get interest-free loans or grants to go to school. And, and uh, you know, we're doing that every year. In fact, last year we had more money available in the scholarship fund than we had applicants. So there's room for more, really? more, more kids to apply, right? Uh, we have a MOA Foundation that helps to provide um, loans and money for folks who have been in crisis. So the recent hurricanes that came through the southeast and Florida and those areas, uh, we have uh, uh, the opportunity to help reach out and help folks, help military members who may have slipped through the cracks in other ways, other financial organizations, the relief societies that aren't able to help them in some situations. MOA is there to help them do that. And then we have a number of services for our members, whether it's our spouses and, and spouse employment. Uh, whether it's our transitioning members and helping them transition from their military career to a civilian career and, and showing them the best ways to market themselves and, and uh, you know, really, really find those kinds of jobs that are going to be satisfying in the second career. So MOA offers a lot, a lot to our members. And 
Um, that's our key is being able to show our members the benefits that they get so that we can attract them into the organization. You know, you mentioned something there that's very, very important, and that's spousal help. I lived in the shadow of Wright-Patterson Air Force Base for almost 40 years, and I watched people move in and move out. And many of the ladies who came in, it was almost always ladies who came in, very talented, but didn't have connections, didn't know where to go to get them. And we had some things on the base that helped. But that is an important thing. It absolutely is, Bill. And, you know, we have a surviving spouses organization within MOA and a council, and they, and they uh, get direct access uh, to the ear of the president and CEO so they can talk about their specific issue as surviving spouses. You know, and one of MOA's big accomplishments legislatively was to be able to get rid of the, you know, so-called widow's tax so that they didn't lose some of the money that they earned on their survivor benefit plan uh, when their members were deceased. And so lots of effort to help spouses out. And as you said, spouse employment training to make sure that they can get jobs as they move from location to location. But lots more work to do in that area because, as you said, there's a number of challenges there. And all of us need to start, uh, you know, sort of focused around our spouses and helping our spouses um, get all the things that they do because they serve too, right? There's some sometimes uh, more so than many of the guys that are, yeah. absolutely and and for free in most cases, right? It's a, it's a great value for the government, the, the service that spouses provide. So we want to make sure we're doing the best to take care of those folks. Of course, living so close in a military community for so long, I may be seen more than what a lot of people who are in the civilian world would. But it's a spouse who's been taking care of the house the family, getting the kids to school and taking care of the money, paying the bills. And then dad comes home and it is all, it's almost dad comes home. He's no, I'll take over now. Those kind of things are really hard. Yeah, they, they are. And, and, you know, whether it's dad or mom or whoever's serving, because, you know, we, we have all, all those situations today. The ability for the family and the spouses to take care of those things so that the military member can focus on their, you know, whatever they're doing, their, their deployment, their daily job. It's absolutely essential to success for all of our military branches. And so, you know, we want to do a good job taking care of our spouses. What do we do for active duty military? So we have active duty military members in MOA. And, you know, it's not um, I think there's a, a, a little bit of a legacy misnomer, if you will, that, that MOA is a retired association. There certainly was, uh, you know, originally a retired officers association, but it, it, it migrated and changed many years ago. And so we have about half of our members, about 150, 170,000 that are currently serving members. There is a basic membership that we allow those folks to get where they don't have to pay any dues initially. They get to enjoy the services and see what MOA does for them and, and see the benefits. And then after a, a period of time, we ask them, to, you got to see us, you got to see what we provided. Then we ask them to convert over. And it's, and it's really helpful to allow them to be members in MOA, be part of our advocacy, be part of the community. And then if they like what we've seen and like what we showed them, um, convert over and become dues-paying members. General Kelly, we've got a few more minutes. And I know I haven't asked everything you'd like to get out. Is there something in one or two or maybe three minutes that you'd like to talk about in particular? Yeah, thanks, Bill. You know, I think one of the things that I'd like to talk about in, is the challenge. I think all of the organizations, all of the veteran support organizations, military support organizations are going to have to deal with, which is, it's just reality of, of where our country is. There's going to be budget pressures. Uh, and whenever there's budget pressures, there's, a, there's going to be pressure on those kinds of programs that we've had in place, whether it's uh, retiree pay and COLA, 
Uh, you know, there's been attempts in the past to reduce that, whether it's our, our pay for our active duty members or what's come out for all of us, medical care and medical benefits, our TRICARE, our pharmacies. And I think over the next couple of years, we're going to have to be, you know, steadfast. We're going to have to be consistent. And we're going to have to be united uh, in trying to make sure that as the pressures come on, the balance is there, uh, that our congressional members and our representatives understand what, what it is that the military members and veterans have done and why it's so important to maintain those benefits. You know, it's hard to imagine if you had a, an all-volunteer force, which we do, and how that would go in the future if you don't take care of those who have served before. And so uh, I think it's really important for us to, to be uh, steadfast and be united in our response to those things over the next couple of years, because I see a lot of pressure coming, Bill. And I was just talking this morning with the American Legion's national commander, Jim Triola, and we were saying that same thing that there's only 7 million of us and we've got to stand together. Right. We just can't be passive because if we are, you don't have the the votes. You don't have the things necessary to give you the ability to help us. Yeah. You know, the, each of the organizations is powerful on their own, but when together, if you go to the military coalition, which is the, the, the joint group of all the service organizations like the American Legion, the VFW and, and Nagus and, and MOA and all the different organizations who unite together through that military coalition. Now you really have some power because advocacy really happens when you have lots of folks together and you can really put some pressure. And so I think that's important for us going forward. My guest today has been Brian Kelly, Lieutenant General, U.S. Air Force, and the brand new president of the Military Officers Association of America. And I wish you the greatest of luck in anything that Veterans Corner Radio can do to facilitate your mission. You just let us know. I thank you for being with me. Ladies and gentlemen, you're unique, you're special, and you're great. Tell yourself so often because you are, you know. And we'll talk to you again very soon on Veterans Corner Radio. And again, General, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Bill. You've been listening to Veterans Corner with your host, Air Force veteran Bill Hodges. The views expressed on this program are those of Bill and his guests and are opinions based on the best available information. In matters of law or governmental regulation, it will always be best to check with the appropriate agency. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us for the next Veterans Corner. Before we go, here's a quick final thought. Why not take a minute to follow or mark Veterans Corner Radio podcasts as a favorite? It's easy, and you'll be among the first to be notified when new episodes of the podcast are released. And thanks for listening to Veterans Corner Radio Podcasts.